And you're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. We're on Saturday morning. We're on the tail end of March, Porrick, and the cusp of April. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, listeners. And what a beautiful weekend. Yeah, not, not a bad forecast, ah, uh, considering the forecasts that we have probably given people over the last, uh, well, really since the return of the gardening programme yeah. and really since the start, I think, of 2018. Yeah. Hopefully, we're turning a corner at this we stage. Hopefully, are. Yeah, it's more atypical spring like weather and even that little bit of frost at night time that frost is helping to dry up soils as well so um you know this is more natural type of weather it's more planting weather and more seasonal weather and people just want to watch that frost at night time um, it's still getting down to kind of minus one, zero, yeah, minus one. Yeah, actually, there was so. a tiny bit on my card this morning. Yeah. Like I know, I know that was much earlier. Yeah. And it wasn't really very much. But no, I it's d- only a grass yeah, frost, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. But if you have any little tender plants, say, in a greenhouse or tunnel, do keep them covered. But look, at it, it's fantastic weather promised for the next few days. So I thought we might just start with some of the things that people can do over the uh, Easter weekend with people being off. First of all, I just want to mention, my dad gave me a note to uh, remind our listeners that in Turlock, where he lives, which yep. is just beside the garden centre, uh, the community there have organised an Easter egg hunt on Monday. And there's lots of histi- uh, lots of um, things going on on Easter Monday. Um, the Easter hunt is from 3pm and it's it's a children's Easter hunt, so that's in the grounds of the museum. And also there's lots of activities going on in the village itself, so they've got um, a petting farm and music and face painting and lots of other uh, activities going on. So if people around the area, particularly on Easter Monday, mm-hmm. uh, particularly for children at three o'clock, they're having that Easter egg hunt in, in Turlock Village. Um, and also in our own garden centre, we have the pet farm as well over the Easter weekend. I'll also be there today. Okay from 12 to 5 and I'll be there tomorrow again from about 1 o'clock to 5. Uh, if people are in and around that want any questions answered I'll be on duty Okay, so <laughs> for, 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 <laughs> for we, my sins. If we don't quite get to it on the programme today yeah. on duty uh, today and tomorrow. Today, so, today. Today and Sorry. tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Today, Easter Saturday and Easter Sunday okay. uh, I'll be in Turlock and yeah. uh, if people want to pop in if they have any gardening Great. questions or anything on garden design or any ideas they want. But in terms of things to do look at I suppose just starting off again I know we've mentioned the last couple of weeks but really it is time to get back get the, get the lawn trim get it tidied up get the moss under control uh, put on a little bit of the liquid zero get rid of this dry sort of weather is ideal for applying any sorts of treatments be it um, moss control or weed control or whatever you were going to say something were you? I, I, was, I was just saying I noticed that uh, there isn't there's very limited growth on grasses yet well, well is that fair to say it is yeah and growth in general is, is just starting but it is beginning and uh, certainly I can see it in the trees and in the shrubs they're ready to burst forward and if we get any bit of mild weather at all it is going to come um, uh, again anybody that has fed their lawn say in the last 10 days they will notice the greening they're not necessarily growing strongly but they're certainly beginning to green up now Um, and really look at the steps are if you haven't cut your lawn obviously get it cut this weekend put it on the grass box take off the first cutting put that on your compost heap then apply a a liquid lawn treatment so something like the zero just get rid of the moss because it's everywhere and feed the lawns and if you do feed with slow release feed you get a lovely greening effect without forced growth so get on that lawn feed and it's this sort of weather that's perfect for it because you need the fertiliser on as the temperatures start to warm up to green up the grass and start giving a nice bit of colour. But do take the opportunity, I suppose, when the weather is dry 
to to um, to get the lawn in good condition. The other area is, I suppose, just tidying up the garden in mm. general. I know we, we talked about the pruning back of the hydrangeas and all of that, but there's lots of summer flowering shrubs that need some trimming back. So things like hydrangeas and bodleias and spireas, hypericums, roses, all the summer flowering plants, uh, anything we associate with flowering from June right through to the end of the summer, this is the time of year to tidy them back. And even some evergreens like Fortinia red robin or hebes or evergreen shrubs, they can be tidied back as well. Just a light pruning back, trimming them back and when we trim, we feed at the same time. So again, put on some fertiliser now on hedges and trees and shrubs in general because the plants will take it up in the next couple of weeks and push on some new growth. So it's very much a time of this weekend in particular for the tidying back of plants. Spring flowering shrubs like camellias, like forsythiae, like the snowy mesplus, which are coming into flower at the moment, they're pruned after flowering. So enjoy those at the moment relish in, their, in, the, in the flowers but don't touch them until they finish flowering okay. so camellias will normally flower to the end of April rhododendrons will be coming into flower now and they're pruned after flowering so any spring flowering plants leave well enough alone enjoy them feed them certainly but uh, focus on the, the summer flowering shrubs and, and do some pruning with those my youngest son Luke a couple of weeks back, he came in to me and said he'd love to plant a cherry tree. He said, Dad, we've no cherry tree in the garden. I'll have you no cherry tree. And I was thinking, where has this come from? This 17-year-old saying to me, we've no cherry in the garden. I thought, I thought I left it a couple of days. Mm. And uh, of course, he reminded me again. So we actually planted a cherry tree in our own garden this Thursday, last Thursday. And, you know, it, it was great for me to see an interest and taking an interest in it. And, and uh, he convinced me to prune or to plant uh, a cherry tree called Royal Burgundy, which okay. is a particularly nice variety. I see. I seem to never call that name. Yeah, and I probably influenced that decision slightly, okay. but because it's a really nice <laughs> well, variety. Well, I suppose you know when when you have the expert knowledge, it's good to go with that. Well, it's a particularly nice variety of cherry because, as we know, the cherries will be coming into flower in April and May, but Royal Burgundy in particular has got a lovely purple foliage, so the leaf colour is particularly attractive in spring, summer, and autumn. It's got lovely autumn colour, and then then it's got candy floss flowers, coloured flowers. In April. Okay, they sound. That sounds <laughs> Isn't that a nice does, way to describe it them? It does sound lovely. So that's a particularly nice variety, Burgundy, um, Royal Burgundy, particularly nice variety so cherry. So a flowering cherry. Yeah, but I suppose the point I'm making is that this this is the time of year to start planting trees in the garden. And the tree that we planted on Thursday, right behind it, is actually a beech tree that was planted by my father-in-law with his own dad back in the fifties. And any time I look out the kitchen window, I'm looking at the beech tree, particularly as it comes into leaf now in May. It just reminds me, it's a physical reminder of a people, person, yeah. of people. Yeah. And, and hopefully that cherry, maybe in, in who knows in time, will, will remind people of, of that, that you know, time that we planted the tree. But the soil conditions were really good. And I got, of course, the young flute to plant, to dig the hole. <laughs> But, <laughs> but I showed him how to make how to do it properly. You advised. Advised, yeah. yeah. But I, th- it was, I thought it was a nice experience and, and uh, I don't know where the wish for planting this cherry tree came from, but it was a, a nice experience for me planting the tree. But it just reminded me that trees are a great way to mark an occasion. They so are. people and, are, to, and to mark a memory of somebody absolutely. as well. And I suppose it is lovely when you do, I, and I know obviously it takes a long time for it to come to a full circle as such, but when you do look out and you see something like that, particularly where you've got uh, the old one from a generation or two previously yeah. and then you're adding to it all the time, I suppose it gives one a sense almost of family history in terms of planting and gardening and trees in general. Absolutely. And I use the, the opportunity to, to, to show Luke how to actually prune the tree 
how to plant it properly. And it only took 15, 20 minutes. I mean, this can go on all day type of thing. It only took a very short time, but it was actually a great experience. And it just reminded me that the trees can be a great way to, to mark an occasion, be it a birthday, confirmation, communions are coming up now, or if people just wanted to mark an occasion. So in terms of trees, there's some really nice varieties. I mentioned the Royal Burgundy, you know, because cherries tend to be short flowering or they have a short flowering period and and tend to have green leaves. But that Royal Burgundy in particular has got lovely foliage colour. It's like a maple, that lovely purple uh, leaf Mm colour. But there are other good varieties. We often talk about the... um, the uh, Prunacherite, the, the white flowering cherry. And uh, as you go into French Park coming from Dublin, on yes. the left-hand side, there's a beautiful variety over it. there. Yep. You know it well because mm-hmm. we always remark it when it's in flower. Uh, but there are other great trees like the flowering, the Malus family, which are in the apple family. So if you've got apples in your garden, maybe plant a, a crab apple, which are lovely as well. Or some of our native Irish trees like oak and ash and rowan and holly and the yew tree or the strawberry tree or Beautis unido, which is native to Ireland. You see it down in Killarney. Um, it likes acid soil and produces little edible fruits. Like a, They're not strawberries, but they're like a strawberry and that's the way it gets its name. So really, and what surprised me actually that the soil conditions were perfect on Thursday for planting. You know, so it's actually, and um, things have dried up remarkably so well. So things are, it's not as wet as it it's, was It's then. not, no. So, um, so some, certainly the planting of plants um, Coming into confirmation, communion time, people are very busy and, and generally the questions we get this time of year is around colour and, and what can they put in um, to add a bit of colour. And it's actually a great time of year as we come into April because the spring plants are still in flower. The polyanthus and primulas and daffodils and tulips are all still yeah, blooming. And so, some of them haven't even come into flower no. yet, I suppose, because things have been a bit cold. Exactly. Plants like wallflowers. I brought you actually in a, a variety of wallflower there. That's one of the... the um, dwarf varieties and there's a fantastic scent of wallflowers but they can be planted at this time of year for colour for April and May but also a lot of the summer flowering plants are coming available at the moment so I noticed some lovely osteospernums mm-hmm. things like senetiis, even the first of the geraniums are beginning to come available so we're in that time where spring is meeting summer in terms of gardening so there's a huge amount of colour available at the moment for pots and containers and wind boxes. So if people have any special occasions, confirmations, communions, whatever, weddings, yeah. whatever, this is a really good time to plant up um, some pots and containers and it's an easy time to get colour. In the veg garden, again, we're coming into the time of year for planting veg and I thought I'd feature kale because it's, it's, it's a vegetable we generally associate with winter time. But if it's planted at this time of year and the plants are available now, there's a lovely variety called black Tuscany, which has got very, very dark green, nearly black foliage. Mm-hmm. If you plant it at this time of year, you can plant it out of doors. The frost won't affect it. And then you can harvest the young leaves from May in salads or you can use to steam them and use the kale through the summer and autumn period. So it's one of these vegetables that, and it's unlike a, a, a cabbage plant where you have to cut the actual plant and, and use it. Kale, you can actually peel the leaves and use them, particularly the young leaves, raw in salads, or you can steam the older yep. leaves. So it's the type of plant that you can actually keep harvesting all summer long. You can long. make kale crisps. There you go. So there's so many uses for it. So kale is fantastic. It's generally associated with winter planting. But if you plant it this time of year, certainly in salads and to steam the young leaves and to use them during the summer months. And as I say, you don't have to cut the actual, you don't have to sacrifice the plant. You can literally just rob it of a couple of leaves now and again and it'll produce more. So, and it's, it's very, very easy to grow. But in general, all the veg plants are available. The cabbages, the broccoli, Brussels sprouts, calabrese, they're all ready for planting now. Onion sets, shallots, all the seed potatoes we talked about before. This really is 
this weekend is, is really for me that would be the start of the the uh, vegetable garden season. Tomatoes, again, if you want to really mm. easy, I always say that the and actually Luke said it to me on the way up in the car. He he mentioned to me about one of his teachers had mentioned about um, somebody she knows that gives their children cherry tomatoes rather than sweets. And I was saying to him that cherry tomatoes are actually very very sweet. They're full of well, they Natural are, they sugars. are delicious, yeah. yeah. So there's a great variety called Red Profusion, which is a really easy variety to grow. People think that tomatoes can be difficult to grow, that you have to tie them in, and some varieties you do. But Red Profusion is one of these plants that you literally just th- put three plants into a big old pot of compost and leave it alone. Water it, feed it. There's no slipping out of side shoots or pruning back or tipping them back. You literally just leave it alone. It comes into flower in May and produces its tomatoes. They're good sized, medium sized tomatoes from late June, early July, right through to the end of the summer. So look for that one if you want a really simple variety to grow. Red, 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 red profusion. profusion. It's an easy one. It only grows about 18 inches in height, and but it, it's bushy. It's mounding is the way it's described, kind of semi-weeping, semi-trailing. But it forms this mound in the pots. And I grew them last year, three in, three plants in a very large pot, and you get tons of fruit from Fantastic. them. Fantastic. Really good variety. But there's lots of others like Sweet 100, which is a, a cherry-type tomato. Shirley, if you want the traditional uh, tomato, the large tomato with very good flavour, Shirley, for me, is a really nice one. And a yellow tomato variety called Sun Baby, which is a well, nice one as well. Name. Yeah, it's, it's quite a fleshy tomato, bright yellow, lovely again in salads or in dishes, just to add a bit of colour. So there's lots of really good varieties of Alicante, Moneymaker, all the old mm. varieties are available. Tumbler, Remember, I always think of Tumbler. Tumbler for the, for the greenhouses, yeah. The, the Red Profusion is similar to that, but it's, it's a better variety, I think. It's more mounding, so it's more, a little bit more upright, more sturdy, um, and it's uh, brilliant in pots, in particularly patio pots. It grows really well. Remember with tomatoes, you do need to keep them inside at the moment, so in a greenhouse tunnel, porch, conservatory, somewhere bright, or in a bright windowsill, they grow quite happy. And the child that grows a tomato eats a tomato, so they tell me. That's my theory anyway. (laughs) So certainly, you know, vegetable plants, tomatoes, things like chilies, peppers, those sort of plants you start planting indoors now in your in tunnels, greenhouses. Hedging plants, again, trim them back, tidy them up. I trim my own hedges during the week. So trim back all your laurel hedges, Escalonia, Grisolinia, any of those. Tidy them back now. Give them a bit of feed and that will green them up. Don't leave them until May because you're cutting off all that growth that is it produces over the next couple of weeks. So trim them now, yeah. tidy them up. It's also a really good time of year for planting hedges and we're coming nearly to the end of the Beirut season so Mm -hmm. if you've got Beirut plants get them in this weekend if you can beech, laurel try and plant them over the next week or 10 days because it's going to be too late very soon and but but in general the planting of trees shrubs hedging this is the time of year and I think I mentioned the colour already, the wallflowers, yeah. things like Senetii, Osteospernums, Campanula, there's a lot of breeches beginning to flower at the moment. Loads of colour just starting to flower. So I suppose, it, look, it's really good Easter weekend. It's time to tidy the garden up, get it back into some sort of shape and also for the planting of plants and adding colour. This is the week- weekend if, I'd recommend. And it. if you're indulging in a few Easter eggs, the bit of exercise will, 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 will work. Exactly, off as exactly, well. exactly. That's exactly <laughs> so it. So perfect solution. Perfect solution. Yeah, okay. yeah. And with extra day length now, you know, it's people will be back yeah. out gardening. And you can really, you, you do have a, that sense that uh, after that long winter, things are finally starting to turn. Um, and while sometimes I suppose the cherries can be in flower a bit more so at this time of the year, um, you, I can see them on the cusp. Oh, there, they're just so, ready to yeah. go. So they're I ready think, for a bit I do of think heat. And two weeks 
next time we'll we'll definitely see them. A profusion of colour. All their colour and glory. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose this is just, uh, uh, is it right or wrong to do this? Um, is it illegal to burn branches I have on my spruce trees or take them off my spruce trees, asks Paul. Oh yeah, the, the, the burning of any garden waste or, or household waste is... Or any waste is, whatsoever. Whatsoever, yes, is not allowed. <laughs> So yeah. there you go. Nope. Um, now, can you ask Pork to recommend some low-growing shrubs and flowers for heavy dauby soil? Asks John. Great okay. word, dauby. Yeah, I, it is. Dauby. I have that sense of, um, of of weight about it already. And wetness and and, and, wetness, and yeah, yes. difficulty. And look at if ideally. If John could improve the soil, and but we can improve doby soil by adding uh, a lot of grit to it and adding a lot of humus or a lot of organic matter, farmer manure or compost, something like that to, to improve the soil because you're leaving yourself re- very, very restricted. Having said that, there are plants that will tolerate uh, dauby soil. So you're looking at things, hardy shrubs. So there are certain plants like uh, plants in the spirea family that will tolerate quite wet conditions. Forsythiae is quite tough in, in doby soil. Um, Ribase, the, the red flowering current. So kind of stick to the, I suppose, the easier and more traditional garden plants. Um, you know, those kind of easy to grow. So brooms, for example, buddleias would, would grow in, in, in dauby soil as well. But ideally, if, if John could improve or even impl- improve the planting hole, so, you know, digging out quite a large hole, putting in some grit, some gravel, adding some humus to the existing compost or some ex- uh, additional topsoil and just improving the conditions will just give them a broader spectrum of plants. Things like hazel will grow quite well. Um, birch will tolerate doby soil as well. So there are a range of plants, but really you're very limited. Okay. Very limited. So it might be better Try to, to, improve to address the soil. The soil. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really where I would focus on. And it, it, it's not that you have to improve it in the entire garden. It's just in the areas that you, you intend to plant. Okay. Now we've camellias flowering, but their leaves are very yellow, says Mary. We've a couple of questions on camellias. Yeah, well, generally yellowing in, in camellias uh, is a sign, A, they could be, if they're in large tubs and containers, they could be a little bit dry, particularly when they're flowering. Plants that in bloom use copious amounts of water, so you keep them well watered and well fed at this time of year. So liquid feeding will, will um, liquid feeding through a watering can will get them really nice and moist but it'll also feed them as well and bring the colour back into the plant because you remember when any plant is flowering it's putting all the energy into producing blooms so and all the moisture is put into the producing of the blooms as well so regular watering regular feeding you get a specific ericaceous fertiliser for camellias and it's a good idea to feed the main time to feed camellias is from now till midsummer because mm. they produce after flowering they produce new growth and on that growth they produce new flower buds so you're preparing them for next year so the feeding of camellias and rhododendrons and azaleas is always done just after flowering and during the, the early summer months um, and they are a woodland plant so they like their they like to be quite moist. Okay. Uh, and another question, just wondering in general, is it fa- safe to feed azaleas and camellias when in flower? I fed, oh, well, that's an azalea last year in flower and it went black. Right. Well, remember that lots of the fertilizers can be caustic and if it gets on the leaf or the stem or it can, it can damage, physically damage the plants, go for a slow release fertilizer. And there is a specific one for ericaceous plants. These are lime hating plants. So things like rhododendrons, azaleas, camellias, um, any of those plants like a lime-free soil and you can get a slow-released ericaceous fertiliser. It's small little pellets. You simply put it on the surface of the soil and over the summer period, 
they slowly release back into the soil and feed the plant for up to six months. So look for a, a little tub of that, shake it around the base of your azaleas, rhododendrons, and do it now because the plants will benefit from it in terms of the flowers and in terms of the foliage. Now, can we ask Porik, uh, somebody put zero on their lawn last Saturday to burn moss, but it has not changed colour. They're wondering, should they spray it again? Thanks. Okay, well, if you follow it, remember what zero is going to do. It doesn't discolour your lawn, so it doesn't turn your lawn black. It yeah, so I'm wondering, weeds. listener, have you got moss at all? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very good question. Now, I'm assuming they have because every lawn has moss. Now, remember that zero should be put on through a washing can or sprayer, a sprayer ideally, at, at one part zero to ten parts water. And ideally, it should be reasonably dry. They can be dew on the ground, but you want an hour or two of reasonably dry weather when you're putting it on. So it gives it an opportunity to, to for the moss to soak it up and for it to to work. work. It works very rapidly. So zero will work within a couple of hours. So, I mean, if it was sprayed last Saturday and there's still no results, my advice is really to treat the lawn again. Uh, but make sure you, you put it on at the one part zero to ten parts water through okay. a spray machine. A day like today is absolutely ideal because it's dry and if you put it on this morning, say at 10 o'clock, by 4 o'clock this evening, the moss should be yeah. absolutely yeah, dead as a doorknob. You nearly see it. Yeah, you've uh, used it by, by the time you get to the end of the garden, you turn around and go, oh, goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> it does work very quickly. It so does. either the listener hasn't, hasn't got moss, as you say, but I doubt that, or maybe it went on too light or you had a shower of rain after application. But So I would redo it. Um, because it's very, very effective. I mean, okay. you, you'll be very happy with it. Also, you'll, you'll notice that it greens up the lawn. The lawn, the grass should take on a lovely green colour within a week to 10 days after using the zero. You will see the grass greening as well without it being forced. Now, beech hedge, should we feed it now? Yeah, no, beech doesn't come into leaf until the end of April. So it lo- it always looks a bit dead at this time of year. And, and it's, it's one of the times, it's actually hard to sell beech at this time of year. People, it actually turns people off beech. Uh, which is a pity because is it because it, it looks that like the leaves are dead there it for does. such a long time that's exactly it and, and people are looking at ah no that's not I for need me a greenery. I, and they'll go for laurel or they'll go yeah. for something else so and I still think it's one of the best hedging plants it's so easy to grow it gives fantastic colour in the garden for me it signals the seasons it tells you when spring is coming and when autumn is coming because it changes colours uh, so well but but so many people say at this time of year ah no <laughs> I don't like beach you know it puts them off so People can be a bit impatient at this time of year because it is the end of April before it comes into leaf. But in terms of feeding, yes, you can apply um, a granulated fertiliser or something like the Osmo Pro 6 over the next couple of weeks. There's no immediate rush. General, most garden shrubs will be coming into growth, but remember, beech has another three weeks to go yet. So over the next week or two, by, by all means, um, feed the beech. Also remove any weeds. It's a good time of year before it comes into leaf. If there are any weeds there, to scuffle them out with a garden hoe and tidy them up. You could also give the beech a light trimming. I did my own beach hedge only two weeks ago. Again, just give it a light tidying back before we come into the summer uh, or into the spring growth. But yes, in terms of feeding and feeding all of all plants, this is the time of year to go out and give them a, a dressing of fertiliser. Okay, here's an interesting question. How can I attract worms back to my garden? The best way is to add plenty of organic matter. So either start your own compost heap and by adding compost and humic, humic matter to the, to the garden so it can be farmer manure, it can be mushroom compost, it can be garden waste from your own kitchen. Anything that has organic Mm. matter in it will attract the worms because that's what they feed on. They'll come up during the the winter period in particular and pull that organic matter back into your soil. So it's a great way to encourage um, earthworms back into your garden again. So 
organic matter. We don't use enough of it. I mean, for years, people always had a tillage spot. All the organic matter from the farm yard yeah, went out yes. into that area. Yeah. And that encourages, and that's effectively what the earthworms feed they on. Don't. And if we don't have organic matter in the soil, they'll go elsewhere. They move on. Now, are there any dwarf flowering shrubs that I could put on a grave? I have azalea and rhododendron, but would like summer flowering ones as well, please. Okay, well, maybe rather than putting shrubs on, you could think of some of the maybe dwarf um, herbaceous uh, plants or some of the alpines would be quite nice because they're very low, they're very compact. So there are plants like dianthus that give you fantastic summer colour and they'll come in a whole range of, of different colours. So if you plant them now, they're just beginning to flower, but they'll flower for the summer period. Um, there are some of the saxifrages again just coming into flower at this time of year which would give a nice bit of colour Campanula, the plant that we mentioned earlier the blue Campanula, again that flowers for the summer, it stays very low and compact and it's perfect for grave situations because generally speaking they tend to be in windy areas that can be quite open so you need something hardy and low low growing. Um, at this time of year I brought you in the a little primula. primula. Oh yeah, I have to say I'm in love with that primula. Well, that, it's a fabulous colour. It's a beautiful colour. Sorry, I should say it's really deep, deep red. Isn't it? Yeah, burgundy red. Burgundy it's red, really yeah, fabulous port wine red. Yeah. And that's one of the double flowering primulas which are just coming into flower at the moment and they will continue to flower well into the end of May. This is a variety called Valentine. But Appropriately a, enough. Um, but they come in a whole range of different varieties. But in height, it's only about six inches tall. Yeah. It'll grow to about a foot in diameter and it'll keep that very compact uh, shape with loads and loads of flowers. We've got all the flower buds yet to come out in it. It'd be a lovely uh, plant, you know, for a, a kind of a pot beside the front door or something like that where yeah. you're looking to bring in a bit of colour. A bit of colour, a bit of it's richness. Really yeah, and it contrasts really nicely against the, the green foliage. So that's called Valentine. It's, a, it's the double flowering primula. The fact that it has double flowers means that it doesn't produce any pollen, which means that the flower lasts longer because oh, it doesn't fertilise so, itself. So, so the double flowering, was it a primrose or something that we had a couple of weeks we ago? We had a blue one. Uh, yes. Yeah, is, had that, a blue. is that the same Same principle? family. Same family. It was a, a blue variety with the same double flower. So, so generally, double many double flowering plants, they're disliked by bees, first of all. So if you want bees in your garden, you don't plant these. Okay. But <laughs> because they're double flowering, they've actually taken the pollen and the, um, the, the, the pollen basically from the flower has, are gone. So it means that the flower is sterile. And the flower then lasts longer because it doesn't produce, reproduce. It's not, okay, so, not, so any, it's not seeking to well, extend any, its own life. Exactly. As such. Any flower that, that you know, say the wallflower here is a single flower. So when it produces seed, its job is finished. So yeah. it, it just goes to seed and, and stops flowering. Whereas the double flowering ones, you often see it with camellias, they've really be big double flowers or roses have many varieties, are bred to just have a fantastic, spectacular flower. But there's very few stamens are, are in no pollen produced yes. basically with okay. the plant and it tends to last longer um, so that's just a Okay, that's it. Uh, by the way, in, in, interesting. interesting but that, that would be a lovely yeah. little plant for, for, for a grave. It's quite low. These dwarf wallflowers will be perfect as well. They're literally just starting to flower now and they will go on. If you trim them back, stop them from producing seed, they flower for months. They're, they're yeah. very, very compact and easy to grow. Um, but there's lots of great plants. I mean, go to your local garden centre, pop in, there'll be dwarf shrubs, yes. there'll be alpines, you know. But may, you're, you're looking for something that's going to be compact but hardy. Hardy, yes, hardy. So you're, not, you're not going to be there to look, look after exactly. it all the time, of exactly. course. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, now, uh, sorry, just scrolling back down here. Um, so I have a new tunnel park. Anything right. I sow seems to be eaten. What should I do, asks Michael? Well, look, you in, in a new tunnel situation, you're going to have slugs and snails. You may have some cutworms in the, in the garden as well. Um, look at, you know, you could put down a little bit of organic uh, slug control just to stop the, the slugs, I would imagine, are probably the main predators of anything you're planting. You could put plants in, in tubs, in containers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grow quite a lot that way. Even potatoes, even chilies, peppers, tomatoes, they can all be planted in containers or raised areas. So you could put a couple of raised beds in the garden or plant stuff in containers. But my guess is you've got a slug and snail. They come out at night time. They're nocturnal. So either pay them a visit in the middle of the night and, and take them away, put down some organic control um, or maybe consider planting in, in raised beds. But look, if you just pe- persevere with, I mean, oh. it's not that you cannot grow something in the tunnels, you can certainly... And yes. you see but the growth... it's disheartening if you have a it new is. tunnel. And you I see, can understand that. Yeah, and, and the growth has been very slow up to now. So if you put seedlings in, they're kind of sitting there waiting nearly to be pounced on. Whereas from now on, the growth is going to be a lot more accelerated and faster so putting in things like potatoes and lettuce plants now and kale that I mentioned earlier you know within a week or two they'll actually put on significant growth and a small bit of slug damage is of of no harm to the plants so it's just about nurturing them now for the next couple of weeks now, um, my Escalonia hedge is completely bare. I cut it back over a week ago. Is this normal for this hedge? It's just that the wild roses are getting green. Well, Escalonia, mm-hmm. depending on the winters, it's it's not a true evergreen. Uh, privet is very similar as well, green privet. So there are plants that we, we describe them as semi-evergreen because depending on the winter you get, they can defoliate, they can drop their leaves. And that's just a natural protection the plant has. So if we get a cold snap or we get a very extended um, wet period, plants can often drop their leaves in winter as a natural protection. So Escalonia, look, it's as hardy as old boots. It came back from the frost or lots of it came back from the frost that we had in 10, 9 and 10. Some didn't, but but um, lots of it did. I would give it at least another three to four weeks you should see some buds in it. The listener has done the right thing, trimming it back. That'll stimulate new growth. Put a handful of fertiliser around the base of it. Look at it in two weeks, three weeks' time. There should be lots of new buds on the plant. It's one of those resilient, easy-to-grow garden plants, Escalonia. Now, Porrick, uh, what a beautiful day for brooms. Brooms grow really tall. Can I cut them back now? Thank you. Well, remember with brooms, um, depending on what age the plant is, they don't like hard pruning back. So light pruning can be done with brooms, but they're going to be coming into flower in the next couple of weeks. So enjoy the flowers, then remove maybe 6 to 12 inches of growth. But don't go back into hardwood with brooms because you can they don't have the ability like some plants to reshoot again so light pruning is better done with brooms but immediately after flowering remember what I said about spring flowering plants those that those that flower from now to June you leave them alone until after flowering and then trim them back brooms aren't terribly long-lived as well so if you get kind of four to six years out of a garden broom you're generally doing well right. after that they get a bit t- untidy and, and they can fall over and so on so um, now trimming the back certainly rejuvenates them and and, and tends to extend their life period Um, but prune them lightly Okay. Lovely. And after flowering. Bottle brush shrub looks mm. dead, but not sure. All the leaves are brown. Do you know the plant, the bottle brush? I'm trying to I'm trying to place it and I can't. Remember I'm the old bottle brushes that you, you, I do you, remember. You, you'd oh, certainly yes. remember them. Oh that's so, that's so unfair. Thank you very much. So it's the old glass bottles, the, you know, this b- yes. b- little brush the that brush, that, the white the white yeah, bristles on it. That's yes, the one. yes. So there's a plant called Calistenum, which comes to us from Australia. And basically it has, it's called the bottle brush plant because it's produced these vivid red 
brothel brush flowers, exactly like the old brothel brush for cleaning the glasses. Okay. So that's the way it gets its name. It is semi-tender, so it's kind of it does well here in the west of Ireland um, until we get very cold weather, and then it can suffer a bit and then come back a bit. So it is one of these plants that needs a little bit of um, TLC. It likes a sunny location, free draining soil. Um, so my advice really is is leave it alone at the moment. You could give it a light trimming back because it's summer flowering, and um, give it a feed put on some of the Osmo Pro 6 or a tree and shrub fertiliser now to green it up but it does like a bright warm location against a wall or maybe in a pot somewhere like that don't put it in an exposed area it tends to get battered and bet and it dislikes heavy wet soil so right. look it's a, it's probably a little bit of wait and see it tends to get damaged over the winter every year anyway bottle brush and then comes back so I'd give it a, another couple of weeks yet and give it a bit of feed just to move it on now we've got tulips set with daffodils daffodils are flowering but the tulips have leaves uh, but there's no sign of flowers yet says Teresa yeah and tulips aren't as resilient as our old friend the daffodil I mean the daffodil can live for years and years and years and, and flowers every year reliably unless you, you cut it back too early tulips are, are short lived plants so if, again if we get two to three years out of tulips it's it's generally as much they tend to get exhausted and tend to die away so they're, they're the type of plant that need to be planted every couple of years um, so look at if there's no flowers on them now they ain't going to flower um, or, they, or if there's no flower bud being produced they ain't going to flower this year so you should be si- seeing signs of buds now you can let the plant grow you can feed it you can try and build it up for next year and hopefully it'll produce a flower embryo by autumn to flower next spring but remember that tulips aren't as they're just not as reliable as they tend to be. Have them for a year or two, enjoy them and replant new ones again. That's generally the advice with tulips. Okay, we have a question as well about the longevity of daffodils. So right. Somebody is wondering, Angela, good morning to you. If it's unusual for daffodils to last 59 or 60 years, um, and just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's, it's not unusual, but it is fantastic, isn't yeah. it? I mean, there you go. I mean, and daffodils, what happens over time is that the bunches tend to you know, fill up the space that's provided for them and the flowering can start to reduce. So it's a good idea every couple of years or maybe every five to seven years to dig them up and transplant them and give, you give them a new lease of life because you're giving them more space to develop. But, you know, daffodils live for forever, really. I mean, they're, they're, they're so resilient and so easy to grow. Um, you know, they're far more reliable. Bluebells would be another one that would live for, for a long period. So tulips are on that side, a bit like crocuses. They tend not to be long-lived okay. where daffodils are, are oh. far more re- reliable and uh, finally we'll, we'll this is kind of like a three questions on daffodils all of a sudden uh, moving daffodils so Catherine has daffodils wondering about moving them to a different position in the garden while they're in growth now they're not in flower yet these particular okay, daffodils well, you, you can move them now the only thing in moving them and, and as I always say with bulbs, we move them in the green. So when you've green foliage on them, that's time to dig them up and transplant them. What you'll find is they'll tend to kind of fall over a little bit for a day or two and then perk themselves back up again. So you can move them and the weather conditions at the moment are ideal for transplanting them. So if you want to move them now, by all means do, or you can let them flower and then move them afterwards. And we're, if anybody has to move daffodils in particular, generally after flowering is the time to dig them up, split them, transplant them to new areas. Snowdrops could be done at this time of year. Crocuses can be transplanted as well at this time of year and bluebells. All of those bulbs can be moved in the green 
quite safely. Okay, lovely. Um, I'm digging up a patch to set strawberries. What do I need to do? Well, I need to put something down that'll stop the strawberries touching the soil. Yeah, well, generally, strawberries like free-draining soil, so I would add, again, some gravel, some grit to the, the soil when you're planting them. Put in some compost as well and slightly uh, create drills on the soil. So bring the, the level of the soil up above the normal level. So raise the area into a mound. Now, you can then put Plantex or Mipex on the surface of that and plant your strawberries through them. And that'll help with weed control for, for, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But also, when the fruit is formed, it's sitting on the clean material. It's not sitting on soil. So it hence helps to keep the fruit clean as well. And it does stop the runners from rerouting and creating a mess. So slightly elevate the soil, add some grit, some gravel, some compost to that, a little bit of fertiliser, and then put your mypex down and plant your strawberries, generally spacing them about 15 inches apart uh, in, a, in, in a row and firm them in and they'll be hunky-dory. They'll produce strawberries this summer for you and, and be very clean and easy to look, to look after. after. Okay. Uh, evergreen shrubs, what would you recommend for windy areas? Well, go for, look around the kind of seaside areas. So things that do well in coastal areas are hebes in particular do very well in in, in seaside coastal areas they'll take the wind um, plants like Escalonia does, does very well as well in, in coastal areas uh, Ceanotus the lovely blue Californian lilac is, is quite a good one it'll tolerate the wind as well Pittosporums there's a lovely one called Tom Thumb which is a dwarf variety it's got purple foliage really dark foliage in winter and lovely bright green foliage in springtime yeah. so again look pop into your local garden centre look in the seaside area the seaside collection for plants that will tolerate wind and there's plenty of really good varieties yeah Uh, how do we get rid of slugs in potatoes asks Mary also I bought potato seeds and they're well sprouted should I set them now yes you should if the soil conditions allow you go out and head and plant them Um, you know and certainly the last few days we haven't had heavy rain so planting conditions have certainly improved so yeah get them out what you're looking for really is nice green uh, buds on the on the on the shoots, uh, but get them planted. In terms of the slugs, stay away from the main soft main crop varieties like Curse Pink or a Devil for um, slugs. The, the slugs tend to to uh, be attracted to them. Right. Um, so early varieties, so or- Orla Colleen, uh, Home Guards, Duke of York, they're all. You'll have them dug out of the ground before the slugs get at them. So plant them now. You'll harvest them in July. Um, so stay away from the the um, softer varieties. Golden Wonders tend to be. Uh, quite good with slugs uh, as main crop variety. Satanta is also a good one, um, is, is slug resistant as well. So King Edward would be another one that the slugs tend not to, to favour. The other thing you can do is create a little trap for them. So you could take some regular varieties of Curse Pink, cut them, cut them up into pieces right. and literally leave them along the soil area. The slugs will be attracted to them. And you can literally just take them. So it's like a decoy. It is, it, it, and you and you the slugs will be attracted to them. You can lift them and dump them. But look, I, my advice really is go and f- go for varieties that are early. You tend to to um, slugs aren't a problem with okay. any of the early varieties. Um, records will be good as well. Any of those really early varieties that you're digging in July. Okay. I planted a Portuguese laurel last August. I'm wondering what do I feed it now, asks Martin. Well, give it a light trim back, Martin, first of all. So kind of even it off, you know, I mean, I'm talking maybe a couple of inches off the sides and off the top. That'll stimulate it to kind of fill in and thicken up. And give it a dressing of the Osmo Pro 6, a tree and shrub feed, just a handful to each plant. Uh, Repeat that maybe in six weeks' time and that'll keep the Portuguese laurel. It's not very fast growing anyway. It's a very nice evergreen hedge. 
uh, very compact, easy to trim. So feed it now, feed it again about the middle of May and that's all you need and, and a very light trim on it. Here's an interesting one. Can I sow mistletoe now and where can I get it? Well, you, you, you take it from the bury. So it's actually sown just after Christmas, January, February is the time of year. What, what happens basically in, in the wild, it grows as a wild plant. It's, it's parasitic. So generally goes grows in ashes or oak or uh, any broadleaf tree. And the birds actually take the, the berry, they eat the berry. And because the berry is sticky, the birds actually wipe their beak on the branches of trees, spreading the seed of mistletoe. So that's the way it's, it's actually propagated. So you need to get the berries and the berries are only available in springtime. So it's normally, you know, January, February, uh, as the berries are ripening, you collect the berries. All you do is make an incision in a branch of a tree, put the berries, squish up the berry. The berry has the seeds in it and you literally put it under the skin of the bark. The, bur- the seed starts to grow. It feeds off the tree and it produces this kind of greeny, Never like a fern. Yeah, 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 ferny tree. I mean, when I remember when I trained at the Botanic Gardens, we had a, um, a walnut tree in the grounds yeah. and it was full of mistletoe. So the job for the students was to go up at, at Christmas time, cut the, <laughs> the the mistletoe, and sell it in Dublin okay. over the over the Christmas over the period. Christmas yeah, so that's the way it's grown. The birds actually spread it. That's the way it's actually spread um, in the wild. In the wild, yeah. you know, and, and it yeah. grows here in Ireland very very well. It, it grows, you know, it grows in, in any of the broadleaf trees. Uh, but you can, if you get the berries, but the berries are only available at at, at kind of late winter. Christmas, January, February time. That's the time to propagate okay, it. So, so give it a so go. Or if you know somebody with, with, with some of the plants, just get some of the berries in the in the winter and, period. And, away. and just stick them literally under the bark of a tree. Make a small incision and put the seed in there and it'll start to... So, and no minding required. There's no say. minding because it, it actually, the tree feeds the mistletoe and that's the Excellent. way it grows. Yeah. Excellent. Now, Porrick, I've one apple tree and one plum tree. They're 10 years old. They flower every year, but the wind takes the flowers off. I've never trimmed them. What can I do with them? Well, first of all, they're a bit lonely. One one apple and one <laughs> plum. So look, at they need... They need uh, more. They do. Uh, apples are generally planted in groups of three. Um, some are self-fertile, all right, but you're better to have two or three different varieties planted together to cross-pollinate. Now, I did mention at the start of the program about planting trees and the Malice family, anything in the Malice family, like uh, there's a lovely tree called Gorgeous, which is beautiful red tree-like fruit in the autumn. It's in the apple family and it's a great pollinator of our other apple trees. So uh, places like Bulmers that grow the Bramley seedling apple will often bring the Malice tree in in flower to help pollinate the, the Bramley seedling apple. So you could plant an ornamental crab apple to pollinate your apple tree or put in some new varieties of, of apples. James Grieve is a very good pollinator, um, which is, is quite a nice one. Elstar is another really good one for pollinating trees. So I would put at least another two varieties of either crab apple or apple trees into the garden. Plums tend to be fertile. Now, they do take a number of years to fruit, often up to five or six years to fruit. And it does Mm. depend when they're in flower what the weather is like. So if we get a cold spell, they tend to flower early. um, And if we get a cold spell, pollination doesn't always happen. Uh, But again, if you have a second plum tree in, it helps. Now, uh, John is in Swinford and he's wondering, is it too late in the season to replace a Lalandia hedge that is frost burnt since 2010? Oh, is it too late? <laughs> so what, well, we're eight years on. Um, well, it depends what John me- means by replacing. I mean, if in terms of cutting it out and removing... Giving the, up the ghost on it. Yeah, I think yeah, look at the, this would be a great time of year to actually take it out uh, completely. Um, so you could Can certainly we do it do at that. the moment? 
You can, of course, and if, if you cut Lelandia to ground level, it won't reshoot again. So it's not one of these trees that will spring back up again. So by cutting it to soil level, effectively kills the tree. Now, you can put something like root out onto the old stumps just to help them to aid the rotting process. And you can plant an evergreen hedge, something like the Portuguese laurel or Iliagnus or something in between the Leyland stumps to, to, to form a new hedge. But eight years on, no, I think it's it's probably timely. Yeah, okay. It's timely. Now, um, we have a family wedding next year and would really like to have a proper garden. Sadly, the best way to describe it is a wild field that gets the grass cut every now and then. Right. Few bushes, best way to describe them, but they uh, don't look all that great. So, don't know where to start, hoping that this might give me a bit of get up and go um, and uh, perhaps we might be able to put a bit of shape on things. Well, look, where does one start? Well, I tell you, something that the listeners, like we could help them out on this if, if that listener took some photographs of the garden to maybe six or eight photographs send them in either pop into the garden centre today or tomorrow I'll be there and I'll have a look at them for you and we can help them in, in helping to design you know actually show you we do a, a thing a photo visualisation which is basically taking a photo a digital photograph from your phone and being able to superimpose plants so we can show you what it would look like uh, you know, next summer, if you plant a particular area. So that might be one way of, of helping out. Okay. But in terms of summer flowering plants, I mean, go for things that are going to be easy, like hydrangeas, buddleias, that will grow quick, quite fast. Hypericum, the yellow St. John's Worth, would, would show a lot of colour during the summer period and be quite vigorous and, and grow quickly. But look, at maybe take some photographs and, and uh, send them in and we'll certainly give you some advice on, on what could be planted. Okay. I'll be able to show you in a visual sense what, what it would look like. Okay, Roses would also be good. Because this person uh, says that uh, they're, they're 90% thinking they want to run away from the idea. Ah, yeah. So, no, 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 no look, don't run away. Family occasion. At, at least, at least mean, have a look at the photographs beforehand. Yeah, and the another easy way to get a bit of colour around the house is, is through containers, window boxes, hanging baskets where you have it right outside the front door and you're making the house you know, you're brightening it up and, and sprucing it up for the summer. Okay. Um, I've planted a bare root raspberries and red currants uh, in a bucket uh, style pot. Okay. In a bucket. Uh, should I leave them in the pot for this year or will I plant them into the ground in a couple of weeks as the weather gets better? Yeah, well, I would look at... Pictures, y- y- uh, yeah. You can leave them in the pot certainly for this year if you want. Now, remember, you go, you're going to have the hassle of washing them and feeding them during the summer months, particularly as they come into leaf and they will bear some fruit this year. So whilst they're fruiting, you're going to have to keep them well watered. Ideally, I would plant them straight into the garden soil and I would do it now. Don't be waiting for them to, to sprout because you're going to be only disper- disturbing them again in a couple of weeks' time. So raspberries and blackcurrants are very easy to grow. So my advice really is get a nice clean bit of soil, put in some fertiliser and compost, get them into the soil now, plant them and uh, they'll root away and you'll get some fruit this year. Okay, and last question, Porig, and uh, we'll do this quickly. I bought a dwarf apple tree two weeks ago and due to circumstances I can't plant it for another three weeks. Am I too late to plant it then? No, if it's in a pot, you can plant it at any time of year. Um, so just hold, just leave it where it is, keep it in a sheltered spot. It's just beginning to break bud. So um, as long as it's not a bare root plant, if it's a bare root, you need to stick it in somewhere immediately. If it's not, then it'll be perfectly happy in the pot for the next three weeks. Just keep it watered. Okay, perfect. We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. So remember, I'm in the garden centre from 12 to 5 today, and I'll also be there tomorrow uh, from 1 o'clock through to 5 as well if people want to drop in. And if particularly that listener wants to bring in some photographs, okay. let's run there for... 
That's great stuff. Well, there you go. Open invitation. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Porek. More from gardening. If we didn't get to your question, incidentally, today it was quite busy. Uh, we will hang on and hopefully address them, if not specifically in general terms, on the programme next week. Uh, that's it from me. Thanks for your company over the uh, past couple of hours. Stand by. Michael Neary coming your way directly after the news at 10 with Country Classics. Until next Saturday, a very happy Easter.